Welcome to my show about the adventure. I'm happy to say that this episode was recorded outside with my guest, Simon Stokes. He suggested a cave along Stanage Edge as our interview location, which was a beautiful setting. You might even hear rock climbers in the background while you listen. Simon shares some really inspiring stories and insight about his career change from CEO of a fire and security company to outdoor instructor at Peak Outdoor. Make yourself a flask of tea and settle in for an outdoor brew with a view. So I'm going to start with a question from Suzanne Hill. At what point did you decide to take the leap to create Peak Outdoor and how did you combat the fear? Okay, that's a really good question. I think it was around two years before I sold my previous business. So I used to be CEO of my own fire and security company, which is a typical corporate type commercial business. And I just wanted to spend more time in the outdoors, which I was able to do because um, I had a management team and I had a bit more spare time, but I had a itch that couldn't be scratched and I just needed to scratch that itch more. And um, I realized that when I sold my business, I'd have more spare time and you can get out and you can bag him on rows or do whatever but you know you can't just play all the time and although I like to play a lot uh, in the outdoors I wanted to give something back as well and I wanted to you know interact with people um, help people enjoy the outdoors etc so I, I took a decision about two years before I sold my business um, to get qualified because I've always been a mountaineer a climber you know outdoor person for quite a a long time and I kind of thought well you know there's only so many mates you've got when you're not working that you can go out with and I want to do something more than just you know going out enjoying myself why not get qualified and you know set up a business you know have a purpose you know so I knew I wanted to get out of the corporate world and I knew I wanted to give something back and I knew I wanted to spend time outdoors so, and I knew I wanted to sell my business because I've kind of, I lost the passion for that. I'd lost the passion for the, the corporate world and the commercial world and was getting older, wanted to spend more time outdoors. And um, so I started to get qualified before I sold the business. I'd actually took my ML, my mountain leader qualification about seven years ago, probably eight years ago now, uh, just out of interest. But it was one of the seeds that planted, oh, this would be nice to do as a career one day. You know, your passion being your career. I remember somebody saying to me, um, if you get a job that's your passion, you'll never work a day again in your life. I thought that sounds pretty good. And it was kind of like the seed that was planted seven years ago. And then I just thought, right, I need to just up the ante. And I got qualified as a rock climbing instructor and kind of run that parallel alongside my existing business and then sold my business and then by then um, I was ready to go so I knew I had the skills I kind of um, knew I had the energy and I also knew from my previous business that things would work out I didn't need 10,000 customers and an order book full to do it I just knew I just had to step into that wilderness and 
the rest I'd find a way and that's what I'm doing. And did you have any fears about taking people out doing your activities or was it just was it just like you had that gift already to just be able to work with people? Yeah, I mean I'd like to think I'm a confident person, but everybody's got fears. You know, I didn't just think, oh, I've, I've been out for a few walks and I'll take people out. I knew I'd got loads of experience, but my fear was, you know, will people think I'm a fraud because I've not been working in the outdoor industry for years since I was, a, you know, left school. So I had fears that people might think I don't know enough. But I knew, I knew I knew enough. You know, I'd been mountaineering and climbing for 15 years. Uh, but I did know people need confidence in you, especially as a rock climbing instructor. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, I've climbed a few routes. You need a qualification. So that, that qualification, normally I'm not a type of person that feels that you need qualification to do a job, you know, as long as you do it well. But when you're in something like uh, looking after people, rock climbing, mountaineering, you know, taking people out on the hill, people want to see that you've got that that experience and a rubber stamp. So that kind of helped ease things when you pass your assessment, you do your training, you know, the, the official training with Mountain Training Organization, which is a great organization. Um, I did my training in that as a mountain leader, winter mountain leader, rock climbing instructor, uh, navigation tutor, and kind of that sign off by these bodies kind of helped me with that fear of, well, actually, yeah, I do know it, and now I've got the ticket. But also from my previous business, I learned that fear is not a bad thing. You know, anxiety is not a bad thing. There, I think, is a as a protection for you to realise you you need to be on your game. So I think fear is good because it makes sure you up your game. You know, um, I'm always fearful. Am I doing the right thing? Am I safe? That stops complacency. So. I kind of learned to embrace the fear, if you like, and, you know, make it work for for me. Um, So, yeah, I had fears and just kind of worked on those fears, really. So after getting your qualifications, what were your first steps that you took to kind of actually making it work as a business? I suppose it was getting a presence, setting up a brand. You know, the brand is me. But setting up Peak Outdoor, I'm all about the Peak District, so and I'm all about the outdoors, so Peak and Outdoor seem like a good brand. And just creating something that people can have an affinity with and relate to, and social media was fabulous for that. And business-to-consumer type social media. In my previous business, it was all about LinkedIn and Google and such like, and a corporate brand that wasn't me whereas peak outdoor is all about me you know it's all about uh, what i do and it's not it's not a corporate badge it's kind of like this is what i do personally and also it's what you know so i post my own stuff that i do my own personal stuff and i post the business stuff the rock climbing days or navigation days so the the first steps were Actually, before I became qualified, I started Peak Outdoor, got a uh, a brand, a logo, and then just started tweeting and posting. And by the time I was qualified, then I'd started to get people saying, well, actually, before I was qualified, <laughs> people saying, can you take us out? Can you do this? <laughs> they didn't want to wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we used to have a saying 
at my old business, which was when we was doing a new line, we used to have something called Crawl, Walk, Run. Um, we used to, you know, start something slowly uh, where we could afford to make mistakes and learn from your mistakes, you know, but the mistakes not be too big that it meant failure and the collapse of the business. So that's what I was able to do. I was able to, you know, start doing some mountain leader stuff and then I was did freelance work as a subcontractor for other outdoor companies so I could run that alongside my own stuff. And now it's got to the point, I still do a bit of freelance work, but it's mainly my own work. So it's kind of lots of little bits all into place. So, you know, I didn't have to keep the wolf from the door as such. Unlike my first business, which I didn't need to keep the wolf from the door. I was made redundant three times and I had no job. And I had a young family and a mortgage and I couldn't get work. And I set up that business, which was fire alarm, security systems, something completely different. And I did need work. So I think there's two very different ways of setting up a business. It's kind of like, just do it and you have to do it and got to make it work. And when you've got to make it work, you find a way. But then there's another way which is a bit safer, which is just do something, you know, create a logo, open a bank account, create a Facebook page, all these things that don't cost much, start to get qualified. And Peak Outdoor was that way, so it was lots of little baby steps, really. We've got another question from one of our listeners. Charlotte Holroyd asks, how did such a radical change feel? And how did you know when you were experienced enough to make the leap? Ooh, that's a good question. It felt amazing. I'd had 25 years in the corporate world. I was ready for a change. As I got older, I started to understand myself more and what makes, my, what makes me happy. And I'd thought that through a lot. What I realised in the corporate world was things, materialistic things, didn't make me happy. What really um, made my soul sing was when I was outdoors and I just needed more of that. And I kind of manufactured my destiny there. So it was when I lost the passion for what I was doing and realized that didn't make me happy. I think a lot of people, you know, get to a point in life where things don't make them happy. So it was when my business and other people I saw in the old business didn't seem happy. I knew lots of people that had a lot of money and may, you know, had nice cars, sharp suits and all that stuff. You know, the typical Western success story. And they all looked unhealthy, miserable, didn't seem to have much compassion. And I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is not the way. And I, a lot of my outdoor friends who lived in vans and had jobs that probably earned less than the minimum wage were some of the happiest people I knew. And I thought, crikey, what's really important is state. State of mind is the most important thing. You know, you can be, um, you know, you can have a, you can work in McDonald's, nothing wrong with working in McDonald's, but, um, you know, it's not kind of labeled as being ultra successful. But if you are happy, great. That's what it's all about. And it was, at that point, I realised I'm not happy. A few other uh, people I knew in the fire and security industry had died from heart attacks and stress and, you know, just weren't in a good shape at all. And I thought, you know, I don't want to get that way. So I suppose that was that was it. I was, uh, there was a one particular guy I remember who died who was the same age as me and he was 
super successful he was buying other businesses and he died of a heart attack overnight so yeah that was what that was what made me realize so the radical change made me feel great <laughs> it was like brilliant um the good thing for me which is quite unique is because i sold my business um i didn't have to keep the wolf on the door i had a bit of spare cash to help me through what's normally difficult but i have been through those times where i had nothing and you find a way mm-hmm. um so it felt great you know it felt really good what was the other part of your question how did i know i was experienced enough to make the leap i suppose i answered it in the last question i kind of drip drip fed that in um and i knew i was experienced i knew i had the skills but i also knew i had the business skills and i also yeah. knew from the outdoors the outdoors teaches you how to find a way whether it's when you're lost on a hill or you're on a climb and you can't go any further it's a good analogy for business i think the outdoors you realize you're capable of more than you think so my business experience my outdoor experience um helped me realize i was experienced experienced enough for the leap but those qualifications kind of was the rubber stamp mm. that made me realize actually yeah i, I do know what I know because Mountain Training Association say so and <laughs> National Navigation Award Scheme say so. And yeah, that, that was like the cherry on the top, really. And the training, I know a little bit about the training because I've been doing Hill and Moorland training, but it doesn't just teach you the skills to walk and navigate, does it? It, it actually teaches you how to lead groups so that you are that you're not just going straight into suddenly leading groups when you've never done it before but they actually put you in that context don't they yeah 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 and i think you've got to be that type of person you know you've got to be a fairly approachable social type person Uh, i think that's key to being a mountain leader and outdoor instructor Um, it's not just the technical skills it's how do you manage different people you know you're there not just to help them keep safe and have a you know an exhilarating or interesting day you're there to interact with them so those coaching skills how to manage a group they were all things that i kind of knew from running a business you know building rapport you know identifying different people how to talk to different people in different ways different characters but the training the uh, Mountain Training Association and you know other organisations do is really good for that. It's really good for helping you realise you're there to show to help people have a good time, mm-hmm. and that's what I enjoy about it. You know, identifying you know the quiet one at the back that might need a quiet word. You know, the the, the loud one that likes laugh, and <laughs> you, you know you've you've got to entertain people really. Yeah, and balance balance it all out. Balance it out, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I enjoy doing. I used to be a DJ, so I like it, entertaining people. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still DJ now a bit? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've got my uh, my old Technics 1210s decks out. My son's um, into music massively. He's got a band. The Levi's is a plug there for him. Um, and he's just set up his own band, uh, 60s Nightclub, where it's electronic music. So me and him have been sharing some of my old records and I've bought a mixer and I'm getting back into it again, yeah. But yeah, I don't think I'll be getting any uh, any job soon as a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Bedroom DJ, they used to call it. So I'd like to ask you, this is a question for me. <laughs> what are the biggest challenges that you've encountered along the way since you started Peak Outdoor? Uh, it's probably going to be a running theme. <laughs> and it's, is it a challenge or is it just an annoyance? But admin, 
I hate admin. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Yeah, I hate <laughs> admin. And, you know, whether it's your insurance or whether it's your renewal of your certificates or keeping on top of your... All things that I do, keeping on top of your, your, your safety checks for all your equipment, booking forms, you know, spreadsheets. That's, that's just a pain. Um, but it's just, you know, it's what you need if you have to do to run a business. Uh, when I had my other business, people did that for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like a one-man band now, so I have to buy the stamps and lick the stamps and all that side. So I find that frustrating because I kind of created Peak Outdoor to be outdoors more. So when I'm sat inside on a Monday morning and it's sunny outside, I'm kind of champing at the bit, thinking, oh, I should be outside. And I think the sacrifice of my own personal uh, outdoor uh, enjoyment you know I work weekends so a lot of my friends Scott Baxter if you listen you're probably one of them who and Gaz who uh, you know I climb with at the weekends and stuff I'm not able to to now because most people's free times at the weekends so some of my and a lot of outdoor instructors find this you do you know you have to prepare yourself that um, your outdoor enjoyment can sometimes be less than it was when you was working nine to five because you're doing it with other people, but you know, it's a small price to pay for being outdoors most of the time. Um, so that's something that's, uh, I'd, I'd say it's frustrating. It's not a you know, massive challenge. I think not having a team as well. A lot of people, something that I didn't think about too much, uh, when it's just you, you know, not having you know, that chat at the water uh, filter at the coffee station you know friends and colleagues just missing that teamwork i've got people i work with and partnerships and such like uh, but just missing that uh, that team within your own business mm-hmm. you know that can be a bit lonely i've kind of replaced that with mountain rescue edale mountain rescue so i joined edale mountain rescue two years ago and you know that comradeship that togetherness that uh, common goal has been uh, replaced by Edale, which is which is great. I love that, but yeah, that's that that's a challenge. Getting business as well, you know, um, getting new clients that's always a challenge. But again, I'm fairly fortunate that um, I've got a bit of a safety net, which I think can be a bad thing. Safety nets are not always a good thing because you don't always do the right thing. You do what's comfortable rather than what's right sometimes. So I think that's. That's you know not not necessarily a good thing having the safety net, but it does give me the option of choosing what I want to do rather than what I have to do. But there's pros and cons, I think. Yeah. Do you ever notice it and then push yourself to do something about it? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I'll especially when it gets to the summer, I'll make sure I book. You know, that I might be tempted to go and do my Bagman on Rose in the summer, that's the best time to do it. And with friends uh, at the weekends, but I'll book weekends in and plan weekends in for uh, for work, um, whether it's Facebook events or, or whatever, you, to make it happen. So I'm a big believer in if you kind of broadcast something uh, and say you're doing this, then you, then you have to do it. If I kind of wait for customers to, to come to me, then, you know, they might not. Yeah. So, you know, there's that, um, what's the film, Build It and They Will Come, <laughs> what is it, Field of Dreams or something. I'm a big believer in if you 
put yourself out there and say I'm going to do this then it tends to happen mm. I whenever I see your videos and things that I watch I always think that you look like you're really thriving in your environment you just look so happy yeah <laughs> yeah like, totally in your element yeah I am and I earn I mean I've had to you know I'm talking about my safety net but I've had to adapt my lifestyle to do this job so I spend less and do less, not because of COVID, but because of my lifestyle than I did when I had my, when I was in my corporate world. You know, my corporate world was n- nice hotels and nice cars and, you know, that's not the case now. Um, but I'm happier than I've ever been because I'm doing what I love. And I've got a work-life blend, not a work-life balance, as in before... I, it was, I wouldn't say it was 9 to 5, it was more like a 5 a.m. to 8, 9 p.m. But there was a certain start and finish time where I'd get back and collapse and watch TV. Whereas now, it kind of my, uh, my outdoor business is kind of like a blend where it's just throughout the whole day. Mm. And I love it, it's great. And I haven't got time for five-star hotels I'm too busy bivying in Robin Hood's cave like where we are now (laughs) which just makes me so happy you know I'm so much happier and I spend less I have my these are these are I've just bought these new approach shoes after my previous ones have got holes in the bottom but they'll be going back to Cheshire shoe repairs to be repaired and you know I I repair clothing down at Alpkit and places like that for a number of reasons, for the environment, but also, you know, I like to, sp- I, I spend less these days. I, I'm not a, as much of a consumer, I'm not as materialistic, and I'm a far, far happier person. That's brilliant. That's so, it's so good to hear. And I was just going to ask as well, have you made any changes to the way that you run Peak Outdoor as a result of any challenges that you have faced? So have you learned anything along the way? That- yeah, I think it's the same answer, really. I've learned that if you want to do what you want to do especially in the outdoor industry because you don't go into the outdoor industry to earn money (laughs) (laughs) you know I reckon with all my admin time and social media posts and actual work out in the outdoors I'd definitely earn less than minimum wage I'd probably break even and you know it's all about being happy and you know if you think when you're setting up a business how do I earn the same amount? You're probably thinking the wrong way. You probably need to think, how do I adapt my life so I can live the life that I want? Mm. And you'd be surprised on how much less you can get by on and be happier. I think being in charge of your own destiny and being able, being able to have a, a work-life blend, for me, is far more important than what I earn. And, you know, it's amazing how much less you can get by when your entertainment is free. As long as I can eat and, you know, have shelter. Uh, is it Maslow's hierarchy? Hierarchy. I don't need other things. You know, I can go out in the Peak Districts out my front door. I'm lucky enough to live in the Peak Districts. But, you know, people in Sheffield are closer to where we are now than I am in Bakewell. Knowing that I don't need much it makes it easier for me to to live by the decisions I make if I've got you know an expensive car to pay for and a massive mortgage that um, limits um, what I can do and I have to try and earn the same which might mean having 10 instructors working for me and then you kind of then back into the same thing you kind of back into admin and staff and that's not what I want you know peak outdoor I want it to be 
about not about me as in you know look at Simon Stokes isn't he great but just you know a kind of a one man band and not too much headaches with it um, but still earning a living. Did you ever struggle with the change in status as such it's not a very nice word but did you ever struggle with that like what people thought of you like you know selling the business and leaving that whole lifestyle behind? Yes lots of people said to me oh you'll be back you know you, <laughs> you you'll be back in no time there's no way Simon you're gonna not do anything and just retire <laughs> and I don't believe in retirement so they're right um, I think we've got the whole wrong idea about if you enjoy what you do why would you retire you know retirement used to be for when you used to you know, I'm from Rotherham, you worked down the pit, you worked your arse off and, you know, you needed to retire because you probably had five years left because you, you worked your fingers to the bone. Things are different nowadays. So um, I did used to think, oh, crikey, you know, will, will I miss the corporate world? Will I miss, you know, the speed, the phonetic activity, creating new things? We were always a growing business, so it was always moving forward. So... I was more worried that I would get bored. Um, and I think that's why I set up Peak Outdoor. So I had a purpose. Because mm -hmm. I do think, you know, the purpose in life is to have a purpose. I think retirement's bad for you. It's bad for your health. Most people who retire seem to, you know, slow down and then stop. And that was my worry and that I would miss the corporate world and, you know, the challenge of that but what I've found in the outdoors is I'm just learning every day something new you know there's always some new climbing trick I must be working towards about seven qualifications at the minute that take up my time EDL Mountain Rescue I've learned loads from that that's been fabulous you know from casualty care to crag rescue so, you know, my life is more than filled with new things to learn. And that, that's what's important to me. What's important to me is that I'm growing. I'm always growing because I think if you're not growing, you're dying. So, yeah, I don't miss it. And I don't miss the, the pace because I've got a, a different pace with a different career path, which is the outdoors, which is great. So who joins your activities? What type of people? Oh, that's a good question. Um, people like you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> You've not booked anything yet. <laughs> Had to interview you first. <coughs> right, okay. Hopefully I'll pass then. Um, <coughs> it's kind of a mix of, um, I'd say, uh, plucking numbers from the air, is 50% of people that are on holiday in the Peak District, they're with the family and they want something to do. You're in the Peak District, you're going to rock climb or you're going to go scrambling or go for a walk. So mainly that, what I'd say, non-outdoorsy type people that want to give it a go. Uh, they're on holiday. And then you've got kind of... Uh, 25% of people that are just local people, you know, within a 50 mile radius, and they might have come out to the Peak District for a walk and be on Stanage Edge like we are now and think, crikey, what are those people doing? <laughs> That's crazy, but fancy a go. And they just come out for the day and they give it a go and they'll probably never do it again. And it was a great day out, you know, stag parties, hen parties, a bunch of mates. 
I get a lot of um, mums with the kids, strangely enough. I don't know why I think that's strange, but it doesn't seem to be dads with the kids. It seems to be mums bringing the kids, which I think is brilliant. And they'll either either go or they'll just stand there and, you know, watch me drag their eight-year-old <laughs> up a rock face. Nervously. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love that. You know, I love the, you know, working with the different ages because that's not what I got in my previous business it was all you know corporate adult world you know i get to work with groups of lads at uh, 18 you know mum with a eight-year-old and you know might get a bunch of um 60 70 year old people that are still giving it a go so you get to see a real broad range of different types of people and then i get 25 percent. the remaining 25 percent. hopefully i've got my maths right of what i'd say outdoorsy people that want to upskill um, whether that's taking the bronze navigation course, you know, they're into the outdoors, but they want to consolidate everything they'll learn into and, you know, learning navigation properly, whether that's silver, gold, bronze, or the climbing, and they want to improve the climbing, or they want to learn how to lead, which is going up themselves rather than being dragged up. Um, and that's more, you know, the technical skills, which I enjoy, enjoy that side. So it's a real uh, dichotomy of different types of people with different needs mm-hmm. which is great yeah and what do you spend most of your time doing climbing mm-hmm. um that's kind of my number one choice you know I'm, I'm i'm a mountaineer i'm a walker but i'm a climber first and that's where most of the business is i think if you're in the lake district which i do some stuff in the lake district in scotland people will want you to take them out uh, as a mountain leader on the mountains because the bigger mountains a lot of people in the Peak District can find their way around. Um, well, you know, from Edo Mountain Rescue, we find that's not the case, <laughs> especially on Kinder Scout, which yeah. is probably one of the hardest places to navigate in the UK, weirdly enough. Um, but yeah, the Peak District is synonymous with uh, rock climbing. You know, we're on Stanley Judges over a thousand routes. It's where a lot of people come to. So that's kind of like probably 60 to 70% of my work. And then the rest is kind of like navigation and you know mountain leader type stuff mm-hmm. how does your business stand out from others that offer similar types of activities i suppose um i don't think it's massively different um but it's it's me that's the brand you know i'm not a outdoor company i don't intend to be so i think the way that I like to stand out is is it's me as a person every person's individual so most people that book with me have usually interacted with me on Instagram or Facebook they'll have seen the things that I do personally and hopefully they are booking with me because they think I could have a good time with Simon on the hill Mm -hmm, you know he looks like a good laugh and Mm -hmm. that's kind of my brand Um, it's fun friendly and informative uh, and flexible really you know it's not set out in a certain way if I'm doing a rock climbing day and I'll talk about the peak district the different types of rock and I find that people are really interested in that and they're really interested in all the equipment and the skills and I'll talk more about that but if they're just a stag group and they just want to laugh um we won't even be going in there about <laughs> sedimentary rocks and <laughs> limestone and gritstone. So yeah, um, that's where I'm different in the fact that um, people will usually know, usually not always, 
um, who they're going to get and what they're going to get because they'll have bought into me as a brand Mm -hmm. and as a person. And that's the feedback I get from my reviews and stuff. So I try and broadcast that in in my social media posts, like what we've Mm. spoke about. That's what's great about social media. You know, you can see what someone's like. Um, And that's why I do my top tips and my videos because then people, you know, hopefully will think, yeah, you know, that he looks fun and and also safe and knows what he's doing and I'll book with him. And then I'm not a commodity. I'm not up there on Google trying to compete to be in the top three. I don't do that. I don't spend time on that. And then, you know, uh, people will, will, will buy into me and then, usually don't go elsewhere and price match you know i'm the same price as most other outdoor companies i probably could charge more but um people tend to just go with me because they feel like they're gonna have a, ta- a good time yeah it does feel it does seem affordable I mean, obviously not not for everybody but for most people it's not going to b- break the bank to come and spend half a day or a day with you no no not at all i mean you know we do days uh, half days from fifty pounds, yeah. you know, and um, you know if you go to Alton Towers or something for half a day or a day, it's going to cost you a lot more than that, and you can have a better experience. You're going to be tired by the end of the day, <laughs> and, and that for me is um, is what I'm I'm looking for. If people say oh, I've had a great day, I'm really tired. That's job done for me. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And just being out in the fresh air is really tiring. It is, yeah, yeah, if, but in a really nice way. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of being a kid. Yeah. You know, you come in <laughs> and you can smell. Somebody told me that outdoors smell is nitrogen on your, on your, on your clothes. Oh, and really? your skin. I don't know if it's true, but you know that outdoor smell you used to get when yeah. you came in. And you can I'd, smell it on your skin, can't you, and everything. Yeah, you can, and there's no better feeling when you get back and you've been outside all day. And you don't have to be doing a lot. It, you know, you, you do feel like you've done something, which I think is quite rewarding. Mm. So I'm going to declare now that I'm not a rock climber. Never tried climbing. I've done, okay. a li- I've done a little bit of bouldering. So what's your technique when somebody's really nervous about taking part in the activities that you offer? I think my way of dealing with it and the way that I translate that to others is nerves is fine. Nerves has been fine. We all have nerves. We all have anxiety and not to get hung up about that and it's not not having nerves it's how you deal with it and somebody once said to me that being nervous is your body getting ready for action um i think that's a great way i think that's a positive way of looking at it obviously people deal with nerves in different ways some people just fall apart other people keep quiet other people you know beat themselves up and have high fives so first and foremost, I kind of try and identify people that deal with it in different ways. Sometimes it's a quiet word, you know, with people to one side, encouraging them, um, telling them to believe in themselves. You know, you, you can do this. Uh, other people, it's kind of like, man up, <laughs> get on with it. You know, you need to know people. Um, so I've had different people where um, if Alice is listening and Holly, they'll, uh, their two clients said last year that are now lead climbing and doing multi-pitch climbing and they first came with no rock climbing experience and uh, they both need encouraging in different ways and, you know, saying to a client, come on, man up, uh, might work with one but not with another. You know, someone might need gentle encouragement. So you need to know people and I think 
for your own self-talk, it's realizing what works for you and finding different ways. So for me, I kind of have self-talk. My nickname Stokesy, Simon Stokes, is, come on, Stokesy, you know, man up, you can do this. For others, it might be just taking a minute and taking three, three deep breaths. It's experimenting with what works and controlling what you can, particularly in climbing. Roger Federer, for instance, knows once he's served that tennis ball, is then out of control. So what he does is he has a... Uh, ritual of things that he does before action that he can control which is altering the strings on his tennis bat which is making sure his shoe laces are tied making sure his socks are pulled up and you can do that in climbing making sure your gear is wrapped making sure you know where everything is making sure your soles of your climbing shoes are clean that not only makes sure the little things you can control don't affect you but it's also a good Uh, way of preparing your mind for action it gets you into the zone so I say that to people find your way because you've all got different things but you know little examples if before I start a climb I do all those things I kind of like make sure my shoes are clean I do all these other things I'll take a few deep breaths when I'm in the crux of a climb and it's going to be really tough I'll get some chalk on my hands whether I need it or not and give him a quick blow that's my little anchor that kind of gets me ready um, so there's some kind of mental mind games but also you know that's for quite more extreme stuff I think there's different ways of preparing yourself for different things so if you know if you want to climb you know don't jump into an E1 climb and if you've never climbed before start small you know don't you know we need to make mistakes in life to learn but you don't want them to be too big and affect you so you're traumatized <laughs> so for instance you know we've just we were talking about scrambling and climbing that you never climbed before so i was thinking down at the bottom of the car right probably take sarah up a fairly challenging scramble it's kind of like a half a climb and you know let's just talk about it on the way up and you know, for you, Sarah, that scramble that we did up to get up to Robin Hood's cave, where you can learn the moves in a fairly safe environment, where it's a little bit risky, and start small where it's not too much of a risk, I think is important for some people. Like, I'll take people scrambling to learn footwork and movement and, you know, kind of the crawl, walk, run thing again. And I suppose one of the other bits of advice as well is take your time. You know, navigation's a good example. When you're out on the hill and things are going wrong, just have a minute. You know, get behind a rock, uh, get out of the wind. Sit, you know, if you've got a bothy bag or um, you can take some shelter, pour a flask, have a bit of food, just calm down. Because a lot of people make the wrong decisions because they make them quickly. So I suppose that's you know the the the, the biggest piece of ad, a piece of advice for all those different things we've gone through is just calm down, don't rush, because when we panic, uh, we rush, and usually when we rush, 
we make the first decision that comes into our head, which is not always the right decision. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think there's probably a lot of things that you do probably almost like un- like subconsciously when you're with people because as soon as we arrived at the little scramble we did you you just went up straight away and that was like you were showing me that it you know this you basically showed me the steps and that it was that you could stay standing the whole time and and all of that and then you said I'm going to get behind you so that I you know I felt really safe then because I didn't have you up ahead watching me and waiting for me so I was leading it Mm. and then you could advise me if I needed to step in a certain way yeah so it's like immediately I feel much safer yeah it's seeing what's possible that's why I did what I did yeah you know we we went up and looked at that wall and it looks really steep (laughs) and you know almost a climb but then if you you know I didn't just go straight into it so let's let's get up and let's go that would have probably been a bit overwhelming but if you see what's possible and you know you saw me standing on the edge of my toes and you know, it's one of my sayings, I could have stood there all day. Mm. Uh, seeing what is possible helps people. Uh, that helps me as well. You know, I climb with a group of friends that have helped me climb harder because, you know, I can see that they can do it. And I think, well, if they can do it, you know, I can do it. The old Roger Bannister two-minute mile thing. And then, you know, just we just took a bit of time, didn't we? As you went up, I just said, take your time. And, you know, that's what we do as is, is humans, I think. I think when i think it's a fight or flight response where we feel we need action straight away we we, we need to get the fear over with because <laughs> the fear is so uncomfortable and that's you know that that's one of the mechanisms that you need to try and fight really to you know take your time mm-hmm. i think navigation is one of the hardest things i find when i get lost um when you're climbing the fear's there for a moment and the adrenaline's there and that that helps you when you're lost on a hill and you know these drops all sides, the fear can be going on for, you know, several minutes, if not hours. Absolutely. And just learning to keep calm and not make the first decision in navigation is is really hard. Um, I've done that on top of Ben Nevis before where it's been really we've we've climbed up there and it's Ben Nevis is really is notorious for navigating off because you you can drop all on the north the north side of Ben Nevis and drop, you know, there's, there's no walking down it, it's cliff, cliffs all the way round, and navigating off the top of there, when it's a whiteout and it's really windy, you need to take your time, and I've done that before, where I've been crikey, let's just take a minute we've got inside a bothy bag, which is like a little shelter, worked out the way off, and that was the most dangerous thing we did all day, you know, the climbing was quite straightforward compared to that, so, you know, you've got to be really careful, take your time, is, yeah that's the biggest thing. Is there anything new that you are learning or working towards at the moment? Obviously, you said that you learn things every day and you're learning some uh, climbing, more climbing qualifications. Yeah, yeah. How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I'm working towards my International Mountain Leader certificate at the minute. For a lot of the Mountain Training Association uh, qualifications, a big part uh, is the experience you need before, which you will have known from your probably Hill and Moorland. You need so many quality mountain days or so many rock climbing routes, etc. So uh, I'm going to start doing overseas holidays and trips 
um, you know, in like the Sierra Nevada uh, mountains in Spain and, and the Alps, um, you know, like we full weeks, um, but you need the winter mountain lead and the uh, mountain leader is only for the UK. So you need the international mountain leader. So I'm working towards that. I'm also working towards the mountaineering and climbing instructor certificate, which enables you to take people up multi-pitch. Uh, that's like, you know, um, three, four, five hundred meter um, cliffs in Scotland and such like, and uh, enables you to do that. Um, because the rock climbing instructor that I've got at the minute is just single pitch stuff. It's just, you know, one rope length. So I'm working towards that. I start my rock climbing development instructor on Thursday with a guy called Dan McKinley. Dan's a great guy. And that's uh, more like a coaching badge, teaching people to lead climb, not just, you know, dragging people up uh, or what we call bottom roping. I've got my winter mountain leader <laughs> assessment, uh, which has been cancelled for the last two years now because of COVID and, and such like, uh, or the last the last two winters. So it's been a bit frustrating. That just enables me to take people out in you know winter conditions. My Edo Mountain Rescue Assessment is due hopefully in July. I'm now, me and Paul are the longest serving aspirants ever in Edo Mountain Rescue because of COVID. Um, and that's been like 15 modules. Um, so touch wood, that assessment's coming up. And I'm also doing my coach. I'm going to start in the winter, my coaching badge, my climbing coaching badge with the BMC Fundamentals, which is just, you know, more around the coaching of climbing i do quite a lot of that but again i, I kind of want the official uh the official qualification um, um i'm also uh starting uh next week actually um, um starting to work um with people with mental health issues and that's not a mental health qualification but um working with a, a psychotherapist a behavioral psychotherapist joe and she's she works with people who have got anxiety, PTSD, and she contacted me, an old friend, Joe Harvey from way back, from our raving days. Hello, Joe, if you're listening. <laughs> um, she contacted me and said, some of my patients would be perfect to go out on the hill with you because the outdoors is great for mental well-being. Um, so I'm starting to uh, show some interest in that and Mountains for the Mind um, and, um, and nutrition as well. There's quite a few things that have surprised me that dovetail into you know, the outdoors, whether it's uh, well-being through yoga, nutrition and the mental health thing, definitely. So yeah, it's, I suppose it's in summary, it's a lot more technical qualifications to enable me to do more in the UK and overseas and also dovetailing other things into Peak Outdoor which I never thought I'd be doing which is great because it's kind of like that giving back you know I'm working with a young lad who um, is coming out on the hill with me and um, you know just you know that I'm no expert in mental health but I feel like I can help people forget about the humdrum of life issues and enjoy a day out and forget about everything which you can't beat the outdoors for that i think it's certainly kept me sane yeah absolutely i think with um especially with something like scrambling or climbing as well because i think with walking you, you can walk and sometimes you're thinking sometimes you're not thinking and you kind of go through different waves whereas 
Um, with scrambling, for example, I think you're so focused, and with running as well, if you're running downhill and it's a bit more technical, things like that, then you're so focused on that that it does take you away into a different oh, space. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's kind of two there's two um, trains of thought on that. One is, as you've said, is when you're stuck to a rock face, you're not thinking about your electricity bill. <laughs> you know, you're totally focused and you're not thinking about anything else. It's how I got into climbing, actually. Um, I had my business. And about 15, 16 years ago, I used to go on holiday and I could never switch off. I was always thinking about the business. And I said to a friend of mine, I, said, I just need to get away and just, you know, do something that where I can forget about all the problems I've got. And he said, why? I did an outward bound thing once. Why don't we go and do that? And we went to Hathersage that we can see from here. And we did rock climbing and abseiling. And I didn't think about work or all the life's issues all weekend. They were like, wow, this is amazing. So, yeah, you d- I think that's what's good. You kind of just, you know, you can disconnect. But also, I think walking, you know, you don't have to be doing extreme stuff. I've found people let the guard down when they walk. You know, you don't need to be walking, you know, in the Lake District or up on Kinder Scow. You could be walking anywhere in, in the wild, in the outdoors. I think people... Uh, because you're not face to face across a table, people are less anxious. They they talk more because you know you're looking around. You're more relaxed. Um, I think people just let go a bit more when when they're talking and walking. I think there's some kind of cognitive thing that goes on as well when you're walking. You have more ideas. You know, you, you I think you're more yourself. You're less less on your guard. I think. So I think there's two sides to it. Definitely that. Are, really good for your mental well-being you know and people tend to think oh i think people tend to think well you know um you have to have issues mental health is all about maintaining it and improving it you know you don't have to have anxiety issues or ptsd you know i think it's it's fabulous for the nation so which direction do you expect peak outdoor to move towards Definitely dovetailing in more of working with people with mental health, uh, Mountains for the Mind, which is something that Trail Magazine do, who I've been working with recently, working with some other partners. Um, So I'm looking at doing some kind of like uh, nutrition, yoga and outdoor activity weekends where, you know, it's not just about the outdoor activity, it's about learning how to be healthier. I mean, I'm... I'm far healthier and fitter because of not just being outside, but because of what I eat, what I eat, and the mental well-being. So I kind of want to uh, get that message out to people, and and you know help people live healthier lives in all manners. You know whether that's physiological. So I'm working with some partners at the minute about you know how can you know I'm not a qualified nutritionist or. Or, or yoga or anything else or you know psychotherapy nurse but working with those other partners to to offer more is definitely uh, something I'm, uh, I'm working towards kind of like if they if you build it they will come type thing again and the international holiday type stuff is something that I want to do want to do more of but you know my, my, my main business will be just more of the rock climbing, navigation, you know, mountain leader type stuff. Yeah, um, which is still a really good mix, isn't it? Yeah. So, like you said, a, a real blend of things. Yeah. 
What do you think is the best way to reach people and encourage them to join your activities and courses? Social media, definitely. It works. I think you've got to make sure you choose the right platform for you. So, you know, if you are choosing to set up a business that's B2B, business to business, then Instagram and Facebook might not be the right thing for you. So when I had my corporate business, LinkedIn was key because LinkedIn's all about business to business and Google competing as a commodity and having an amazing website that showed you'd got all these amazing customers was the way. That's not the way for my business. It's all about personal brand and connecting with people in a per- on a personal level. You can't do that as a massive corporate organization. So for me, social media and seeing uh, people being able to see who they're going to get and what type of person they're going to get is is key. And yeah, it's it's where I spend all of my um, marketing time. The good thing for me is I don't. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I, I just make sure I do plenty of posts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I really enjoy yours because they're just you know they're just really you, aren't they? They're just you going oh, and they, they seem quite spontaneous as well. Like yeah, like, yeah, which I really like. Yeah, they are. I don't. I learned from my previous businesses not to uh, try and overthink how I may be perceived. Yeah. So you know, it is. This is me. Yeah. Like it all a bit. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I may have done a post that's. Uh, I try not to be too political or opinionated. I don't bring that into it, and I, I, I don't when I'm out on on my on my days with people. But you know, I like it to be f- fun, informative. Yeah. And they're the posts that people seem to enjoy, like the Friday top tips. And one of the things I realised through that is you know more than you think you know and people don't always know what you think's normal so sometimes i make posts and think oh my mates will take the piss out of me because <laughs> everyone knows this but people don't no. you forget people don't know stuff and you know i get a lot of feedback oh you know i really enjoyed that tip um and to you it's like a standard thing yeah. but to others who are just getting to the outdoors it's like wow i didn't know that and you know it's kind of like my 15 plus years of outdoor experience you know, things that you can't find in books uh, that I like to project on there. But I also, strangely enough, I get more interest from my personal extreme days that you probably wouldn't necessarily do as a client. I get more bookings off the back of that than I do from, you know, posts about the rock climbing day we had out with the group. So, yeah, I like to have a broad mix of, of posts, not just, you know, look at this event, mm. book on our, our our day. So, yeah. And also I like to post about the reviews as well. That's great. It's great for my ego. <laughs> and I d- <laughs> surprisingly, I do struggle uh, posting about people saying, I had a great day with Simon, but, you know, that's, you know, I want to broadcast that. You know, people have said that, so why not let people know? Yeah, absolutely. And not everybody goes on Google reviews or Facebook reviews. So then, yeah, if you want, you want to share it with like a yeah, wider Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout about what you've done. Don't be embarrassed about what you do and what people have said about you. You know, if you don't shout about what you do, nobody else will. Mm. So how much money have you invested in learning all, and all these qualifications <laughs> in your business since you started out? I, I dread to think. <laughs> I dread to think. If I probably worked out an hourly rate when it comes to posting on social media, admin, uh, 
qualification time on quality mountain days on the hill, number of climbs that are needed for a certain training qualification, I'm probably losing money, mm. <laughs> to be fair. And that's why I've had to adapt my lifestyle. You know, I'm not in this to make money. So I've invested a considerable amount of uh well, not a considerable amount of money, but uh, you know, a fair amount of money because you know these courses aren't free. But it's the time yeah. I've invested my time, and if I put an hourly rate to that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not earning minimum wage. <laughs> I'm probably breaking even. But you know, it's um, it's giving me a lifestyle that that I want. Yeah. What's valuable to you in life and business? You said that money isn't really all that important to you anymore. So people time and growing i'd say mm-hmm. i found when i was in the corporate world um i met some great people some great friends made some great friends still have but i also spent a lot of time with people that i didn't want to spend time with you know people whose sole purpose in life was money and i kind of thought well i you know it's like anything we all spend time with people that we, you know that we like and that we don't like or that we want to be around and we don't want to be around but for me if i'm not spending time with people who i can learn from i can grow with and i enjoy spending time with then you know something's not right and i'm you know i meet some great people you know we've met it's great to meet you it's you know you have an affinity you talk about the same things we started talking about you know cleaning up the peak district and um that's key to me and that's what i'm getting now I'm, you know I, I, um, I read a book called positive vibes i don't know if you've heard of the book uh, i think it's uh, lex king and that talks about you know to be happy in life you need to spend time around people that give you energy mm. and that you know that's what i've started doing i've started spending time around people that give me energy and don't sap my energy so that's really key um and time you know um i think a lot of the western world and i fell into this trap of what success is meant to be is cash rich time poor you know um so you know i made some key decisions in my life that i was going to be cash poor time rich and i'm time rich now you know i don't watch tv i don't i'd love to watch tv but you know my life's that full of doing the things that i want to do you know, I collapse in bed at mm-hmm. ten, ten thirty at night. You know, doing the things that I want to do, um, and and growing, learning. You know, that's a layer. I could be spending time with all my mates climbing all day, um, and I'm with the people I want, and I'm spending time doing what I want to do, but learning is key as well, and having a purpose. And that's what Peak Outdoor does. That's what Mountain Rescue does. Um, and all the qualifications, you know, it's um, it gives me a purpose. Uh, working with you know people who've never experienced the outdoors, mm-hmm. or working with people that want to grow their skills, is 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 a fabulous purpose. Um, so you know, learning for me and learning for others. I love sharing my knowledge with people. I used to get hung up about that, thinking, well, you know, you're a bit up yourself if you you know coaching and teaching other people but you forget people don't know what you know and sharing that knowledge and then watching other people grow you know some of the people i've had on my climbing courses i was so post yesterday with richard uh, and natalie knight who joined me climbing last year and they're now with a 
guy called Graham Moon, who's based in the Lake District, another outdoor instructor, and they're they're now lead climbing, and it's great to see people like that grow, you know, from the seed. And to think that, you were part of that. And you were part of that, yeah. Steps, yeah, it's so so rewarding watching other people grow, and you know, you were the catalyst or the main reason behind it, but you was part of it, which is great. What do you say to people that maybe say to you, "Oh my God, you're so lucky, like to have this." job or to people listening now and going oh you know it's all right for you this is like sounds like a great life yeah. what do you say to that you make your own look you know people are lucky because they put certain things into place months if not years before was i lucky when i got made redundant three times and didn't have a job and set up assured fire and security no it was probably one of the worst most nerve-wracking times in my life and you know um i, I made I made a business from that and I worked hard for 25 years, which has enabled me to do what I do now. You know, what I do now wasn't luck. Um, it was years and years of being on the hill, learning, taking qualifications, hard work, graft. You know, all those things link up to make what's perceived to be luck. But, you know, it's not. You know, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know, I grew up in Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, you know, I wasn't born in the Peak District. When I moved to the Peak District, I couldn't afford the house that I bought. So that was, you know, find a way. So, yeah, I, I think if you believe in luck, that people are lucky, then you prob- you won't be lucky. You know, if you realise that luck, yeah, we all have uh, bits of luck. Uh, things that happen but you you know if you believe you make your own luck and that your destiny is down to you uh, then you'll have more luck I think um, think Gary Player who's a a golf player from way back said people say I'm lucky the more I practice the lucky I get you know he wasn't lucky he just practiced more than others was his message Um, so yeah I think if you believe in luck stop believing in luck and realise you make your own luck and then you'll be luckier. <laughs> yeah, and I think sometimes people people do see, and this is me included in the past as well, you do sort of think, oh, people just go from one thing to the next with, with a leap, but actually there's usually a lot that happens in between. It's not just, it's not, it's quite rare that it's just like one lucky break where you just suddenly transition to something completely different yeah you don't see all those things that's happened that happen behind the scenes yeah <laughs> yeah you don't you know and and pretty much every event that's happened in my life that other people might think is lucky i can link to several things that i did um i remember a sales guy said to me once god did you how did you win that job you know and um i said well you know i know so and so how do you know how do you know so many people and i said well i talk to people and I think talking to people is key. If you talk to, if you don't talk to anybody, you won't network, you won't make contacts. You know, if we didn't talk on Instagram, we wouldn't be sat here today. I'll, you know, I tend to talk to people a lot if I'm on a bus or I'm one of those Northerners that talk to people on the tube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I've, you know, I think talking to people, networking is um, is a way of getting on in life and people might perceive certain things as luck and I can always connect that back to somebody who I spoke to then I spoke to that person then you got to know this person and you did that maybe because you spoke to somebody on a bus yeah you know yeah the connections I think are absolutely amazing yeah and even yeah and especially if you just work for yourself if you work on your own it's even more important (laughs) yeah I mean if you're out looking life as your master of your own destiny 
and the things that you put into place make sure um, that that ultimately kind of drives your success if you think that way you'll be successful whatever success means to you if you think I'm not lucky and that person is then you know you need to change your your train of thought really I think mm-hmm. would you say that you're a natural leader quite arrogantly yes massively so I've always if anyone's organizing a day I want to be there right at the front organizing it saying well what about this <laughs> I suppose I've always been an ideas person I've always been a doer rather than a follower or creator so I think I'm quite creative but yeah I don't mind telling people <laughs> what to do um, but um, it's less telling and, and coaching these days realizing what people want to do you know I've got no issues in standing at the front and you know saying right how do we solve this problem uh, you know getting people together making sure you've got the right people in the right right bum on the right seat I'm a mounted leader so <laughs> hopefully that means I am I think I think being a leader is not just about telling people what to do it's it's understanding where people can play to their strengths and making sure that they are doing that I find that very much from doing my courses on you know seeing who the quiet people are and trying to you know help them um, come to the front and progress but in the right way you know so yeah I, I think I'm a people person I, I, you know I, li- I like to lead I like to be at the front you know with the cavalry leading from the front does that mean I'm a team player um, yeah I've had 25 years running my own business leading from the front and now where it's just you that makes things a bit different because there's no one to lead um, but then you know you can lead people out on the hill you can lead people who are wanting to learn um, but I also enjoy being part of a team you know I'm not a leader at Edale Mountain Rescue and you know I'm very much a follower and I'm enjoying that and, and being part of that team you know I ain't got any intentions to be a, a leader there just to be a part of the team and, and contribute so you know, I do enjoy doing both, but I enjoy leading massively. So I enjoy creating. Yeah, for sure. So we had a question from Jenny from Intuitive Wellbeing asking, where did you start with leadership courses? Uh, mountain leader. So if, we, if we're talking outdoor industry, um, I, I did loads in my previous business, like coaching, lot, lots of things. Dale Carnegie is a good one. But in, in, in the outdoor world, I'd encourage anyone, the the best place to start is as a mountain leader. You learn so many skills as a mountain leader, you know, not just how to navigate and the environment and other things, but as you said earlier on, Sarah, how to interact with people. Um, So the mountain leader qualification, I think somebody else asked a question about how long to be a mountain leader. And I'd say you want to take about six to 12 months. You want to take your time. It's It's a qualification you can rush. It all depends on your experience. So if you've got no experience, you need, I think it's 40, what you call quality mountain days, which is where, which is more than, I think it's five hours in a mountainous area, in separate mountainous areas within the UK, in different weathers. So I think you need about 40 quality mountain days to qualify for that. And then you do your training, which I think is about five days. You need so many wild camp and so many camp experiences or um, previous types of 
uh, camp in. Um, and then you do your training, and then you have a consolidation period where you work with outdoor instructors like myself. I get quite a lot of that as well, which is nice. You know, I get a lot of instructors that need their consolidation period where they work with outdoor instructors and they have to shadow. So taking your time with that, I think, is key and not rushing it. You know, you could probably get it done in... If you had the 40 quality mountain days, you could probably take your training and then take your qualification within six months. But Mountain Training uh, Association, you know, try to make sure you're not rushing it. And I think I'd say six to 12 months mountain leader and then you tend to find people springboard from there they tend to then look at being a navigation tutor or a winter mountain leader rock climbing instructor then people tend to layer that on top um but yeah the, the mountain leaders are good uh, a good grounding a good foundation for then all the other qualifications that you might need yeah because i think some people might be like oh mountain leader that's too much too soon like maybe i should do some navigation courses before i go into that do you think that people can literally just go into obviously with some fitness and some experience of being out in the hills do you think that people can just go and just go and do that course does it yeah i think they can i, I think they can i mean there is other qualifications there's the hill and moorland uh, leader which is which is fine i've not done that and it's it's a great qualification but i think if you can if you can do that you can do the the mountain leader there's less of a requirement. You don't need to be in as many mountainous areas for the hill, uh, hill and moorland leader. There's less work if you're a hill and moorland leader. You know, if you're looking for freelance work, people are mainly looking for mountain leaders because there's that many. Why wouldn't they ask for a mountain leader and, you know, settle for a hill and moorland? But people do, you know, for D of E, you can be a hill of, most D of E can be a hill and moorland. But if you're, it doesn't have to be for work. When I took the mountain leader training about seven, eight years ago, I did it on the back of a navigation course I did uh, with a guy called Pete Hawkins, who writes a lot of books on um, navigation. And I did the bronze navigation. I did the silver. He could see how much I enjoyed it. And he said, why don't you do the mountain leader? I'm like, well, because I'm I'm not going to work in the outdoor industry. And that's for those type of people, surely. He said, no. He said, I did it. And it's just great i just enjoyed learning the skills so it doesn't have to be for work you know if you're doing i'd encourage people to do you know if you want to learn navigation you can go on like one of my courses and um do just a weekend and be proficient in navigation in you know bronze or silver which is fine but uh and we do do some kind of like skills mountain skills and stuff but that's just a kind of cherry on the top that i do but if you want to just learn you know more about the hill and the mountains you you know a, a mountain leader course i'd recommend it's great fun yeah. you know if you're into the outdoors do hill and moorland you probably love the hill and moorland yeah and I training i've put it off for years because i thought it was going to be so scary and so tough but actually i just i absolutely loved it i mean we were lucky we had such amazing weather yeah so we could spend so much of the time outside yeah but i i was really surprised at how much fun it was yeah and you got to remember it's training yeah the training <laughs> you're not meant to know it's training to train you in those skills and I, you know i've mentioned the mta a few times it's a great organization like the b MC, and it's worth being part of because they also do modules and continual professional development CPD courses 
that you can be part of what might be weather or the environment or or, or the flora and fauna so it's not just for you know a fairly big qualification like mountain lead and hill and moorland you know it's, it's good to be part of those just to learn the skills in you know a, a more macro level so yeah join the mta mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bmc and you know you can learn some amazing things with just half a day or a day yeah it opens up a whole new world <laughs> yeah it does it, it does. really does yeah so we've obviously got some you've already touched on this but why is it important to you to spend time outdoors on trails boulders mountains and rocks why is what happens to you on a personal level if you do that it makes my soul sing sarah (laughs) (laughs) joking aside it does you know it makes me happy i don't know if i can explain that but i do what makes me happy why why wouldn't you you know being outside all day and getting in at the end of the day whether it's work or it's personal and having things like a cup of tea and a hot shower feel amazing do you know what i mean it's like you've won the lottery uh, and they're things that don't cost anything i'm a yorkshireman so things that don't cost anything is is, is pretty good in my book um I th- it just i think it's good for my health it's good for my mental health i enjoy it i enjoy the people i'm with i enjoy it when i do it on my own i'll sometimes go on a wild camping two or three days on my own in the lake district and i come back happy um some of it i can explain some of it i can't <laughs> but it just makes me it just gives me energy and i also love coming back if that makes sense so um it really makes you appreciate the simple things in life, like a bit of food, a warm shower, a brew. I should mention the flapjack that you just offered me, oh, which yeah. was amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? Coming in and having some flapjack, you can feel the sugar coursing through your veins. It's like being a drug addict or something. And <laughs> I suppose that's what I am. I'm, I'm addicted to the outdoors. There's worse things to be addicted to, I suppose. Mm-hmm. What question would you like to ask our listeners who are considering a career change um, into providing outdoor activities, but they perhaps feel overwhelmed to make a start or unsure if they can make a living from this type of work? Oof. <laughs> so I think the I think the question is ask yourself what really makes you happy. A lot of people think it's what they earn, the standard of living. But for me, it's state of mind. And what are you prepared to sacrifice to have that state of mind? So I've sacrificed a lot over the last few years to have a state of mind. Um, and I'm happy, which is, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're sat in a cave or, or you might be happy sat on a tube in London you know, a high-powered corporate meeting. There's no right or wrong. It's whatever makes you happy, really. But ask yourself what really, really makes you happy and what are you prepared to sacrifice? You know, I've changed my standard of living to do what I do now. Um, I wouldn't be able to do... If I continue with the same standard of living I had three, four years ago, um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now. And I suppose, yeah, they're they're the two questions. And just... Just kind of realize if you want to do, if you want to make that change, I, I think there's kind of there's kind of two ways of doing it, and I've done it both, and there's no right or wrong. And one is just 
pack it all in and just, you know, do what we used to call burn the ships. It was a great analogy. Julius Caesar, apparently, when he invaded Britain, he came in on the wooden boats and got onto the cliff tops at Dover, got the army to turn around and they burnt all the boats. So there was no retreat. They had to win. They had to take over the English barbarians and, and they did because they had to. And that's one way. That's how I succeeded in my first business because I didn't have a job. I got made redundant three times. I had a mortgage. I had a young family. I had to make it work and I found a way. That's one way. Another way is crawl, walk, run. You know, do it incrementally. And that's what I've done this time around. You know, um, set up Peak Outdoor. Did my mountain leader seven years ago. Then set up Peak Outdoor two or three years ago while I'd still got my job. Started doing some freelance work while I still did my job. I could afford to fail. And, you know, that's, that's an easier way of doing it. I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong way. But do something. I think procrastination is your biggest enemy. So if you want to do it, just do something. You know, best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Next best time is now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And too many people don't do something. And I think if you just do something once a week, once a month, you know, create a web page, you can create an Instagram profile tomorrow, today. It takes five minutes. Just just do something. That's kind of what I've done in, in both of my businesses and they've both worked but I did the the right thing at the right time you know crawl, walk, run wouldn't have worked when I had a mortgage and I had no job <laughs> I had to make it work so yeah I think ultimately is make sure you ask yourself what really makes me happy if what makes you happy is going to Meadowall spending lots of money going on nice holidays and you don't want to sacrifice that and you think it'll make you unhappy probably won't but don't set up a business in the outdoors because you're probably not going to make much money to earn that so for people who just lastly for people who hear that question and go yeah that's a great question but then get stumped because they're like i don't know what makes me happy you know you can get yourself into a situation where you're not actually sure Mm. so can you make any suggestions as to how people might start to explore find out like about themselves and what makes them happy yeah I remember somebody saying to me once, ask the question in your head, why? So I want to earn more money, why? So I can spend time with my family, why? Because I love being with my son when we go walking in the Peak District, why? Um, well, it's just great to be out in, in, in the Peak District. I think it's, it's, it's fabulous. Um, well, that doesn't cost money. And you get there through a why. Well, um, working harder is not, um, and being away, you know, working in another country or being away from your family, you, you know, you're earning more money, but you're not getting to that that why. I want to be happy. Why? You know, um, chunk up, always chunk up um, what that means. So try and always ask yourself the question, uh, what makes me happy? And and how do I get there? Is is kind of keep searching that question, and usually it's not things, it's experiences, and um, you know people are different. But just be really, really honest with yourself, and just keep asking asking why. 
So I remember somebody saying to me once, there was a guy, big corporate uh, businessman on a holiday in Greece, and he saw a fisherman, and the fisherman was was sat with it off his fishing boat that was on the side, and he was sat with his family having a meal, having a nice long leisurely meal, and the the um, the corporate uh, businessman said, "Oh, it's." fabulous what you've got here are you a fisherman he said yeah he said well why don't you get some more boats he said it's brilliant uh, he said well why he said well you know you could get other people to go fishing for you and you know you could build a business and you could get another boat and then you could get another boat and he said oh right uh, why would i want to do that he said well then you know you'd have more time you can spend time with your family you can you know relax and he said i'm doing that now <laughs> And it just got to there by why, you know. And I think that's that would be my advice is ask why, keep asking why. And ultimately it comes back to the simple things in life. Brilliant. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for a wonderful interview, Simon. It's been so nice to meet you. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, really. Great setting as well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want it to end, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can bivy you if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Very tempting. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, we'll leave it there for now and um, we'll leave everything in the show notes so everyone can look you up, find out what you do and um, hopefully book some trips with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'd love to receive your feedback and reviews on iTunes, Podchaser or you can get in touch through my website aboutTheAdventure.com. Massive thanks to Simon for being my guest and for putting himself forward to be interviewed. We had such a great day together along Stanage Edge. All of his links are in the show notes so take a look at the outdoor activities he offers and follow his top tips on Instagram. I've opened an online career change community for people who'd like to support this podcast on Patreon. Just click on the link in the show notes for more information. I hope to see you there.